Well, good morning, and uh, it's great, great to be in worship with you uh, today. We, uh, just, it, it's always good to connect, and it's always good to um, hear one another sing together and uh, greet one another. Um, so uh, I've had people to ask me uh, all morning, like, what in the world happened to you? If you notice, I have a um, scar here, scar here, and a scar here. Um, well, Micah and Megan had their baby shower yesterday, and Micah and Megan, being in the youth world, wanted to have games at their uh, baby shower. And so one of the games was to uh, break up into teams of seven and to carry the balloon between your legs on one side of the room and then hop back on the other side of the room to your team. And of course, uh, our team was winning, of course, thank you very much. And I got three feet from our team and face planted on carpet. Yes, I felt the same way you just said. Like, and I was just concerned whether we won or not. And, uh, and my daughter and I, we were on the same team. She said, Dad, your face, are you okay? And I, I said, okay. It, it started hurting like after the fact and... Um, and I really feel it now. And uh, so, so just in case you wonder what happened, that's what happened. I probably shouldn't be as competitive, but um, I, I got it honestly from my, from my father. So, um, well, again, welcome. Um, we are still in this series kind of walking through Titus. We did a... Um, we kind of did a topical series, and then now we're kind of in a uh, doctrinal part of Titus because in Titus 2.1, Paul tells Titus, what I want you to do, I want you to teach sound doctrine or teach healthy, uh, healthy lessons or healthy teaching. That's kind of what, uh, what Paul says uh, to this young pastor, Titus. And so that's kind of what we're, what we're in right now. Well, typically when, um, you know, on any given day, you might, if you're on the internet or if you're reading the news or if you're reading something on the, the web, you probably will run across something like, what are they doing now kind of stories. And what, are, what is your favorite uh, childhood star doing now? What are, uh, where are they now and what are they doing now? If you love music, you might be thinking about like, what is that one hit wonder artist? What is that person doing now? And how are they doing now? This was kind of raised uh, in, my, in my mind uh, on Friday, represented the 30th year anniversary of Don Calhoun. Some of you don't know who Don Calhoun is, but Don Calhoun, anybody from Chicago who loved the Bulls probably would know, Don Calhoun was a 23-year-old young man who was picked to, um, to shoot a three-quarters of a court shot at the Bulls stadium. 
They had done this 16 times prior to this time. I think Don was the 17th one. And there were two that actually hit the back of the, kind of the back of the backboard. And the others were literally air balls. So he had a less than 1% chance to hit it. He, um, he, he's picked because his shoes won't scuff the court. That's the only reason he's picked. He gets... Um, gets the ball, and he can't pass the free throw line. He throws it, nothing but net, a million dollars. 30-year anniversary. So they had all kinds of stories of where is Don now? And Don is working a second shift job, and he's able to put his four kids through college. And so we, we all have these human interest stories of where are they now? What are they doing now? Now, it's interesting, we ask this question of people that really can't do anything for us. We ask these questions, where are they now? What are they doing now? Of individuals who uh, can't really add anything to our lives. And yet, I think it's a very important question for us to ask of Jesus. What what is Jesus doing now? Where is he now? And what is he doing now? Now, last week we talked about um, the resurrection and Jesus being raised from the dead. And I think it's a fair question. I think it's a great question to ask, where is he now and what is he doing now? And the reason why this is such an important question is because it can actually be the difference between hope and despair. It can actually be the difference between fear and faith. It can actually mean the difference between comfort and anxiety in our lives. That you and I, this is a very important question for us to not only ask, but also to answer, to know the answer to. So when life gets hard, and it will, we'll know how to respond. When when life feels hopeless, we'll know how to continue having hope. So the question that I'm asking, the question that I ask, my, what is, where is Jesus now and what is he doing? And what difference does it make in my life and your life today? Okay, so, so we made the point last week that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he actually showed himself over a 40-day period of time to individuals, his followers, and as access, he showed with proofs that he was alive. So the question is, what, where did he go? And what is he doing now? So the, the first thing after Jesus' resurrection is Jesus, I'm in your notes now, he ascended to heaven. He ascended to heaven. So the, the apostles and his, his disciples were actually witnesses. Listen to, listen to Luke chapter 24, verse 51. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. So that's one place we see that he ascended to heaven. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them, more than likely angels, in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, 
will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus ascended to heaven. But then there's Mark chapter 16, verse 19. It says, so, um, so after the Lord had spoken to them, talking, to, talking about his disciples, he was received up, in, up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So we see that Jesus ascended to heaven and right now presently is at the right hand of God. When we hear the right hand of God in Scripture, it is the place of power. It is the place of authority. So right now, we have a Savior working for us out of a place of strength and power and authority. We do not have a weak Savior. We do not have an impotent Savior, but we have someone who ascended, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is reigning in power right now, reigning in power on our behalf. I have to establish that first for what we will talk about now. So that's where Jesus is, but what is he doing right now, and what difference does it make in our lives? The first thing that Jesus is doing right now, as we sit here, is that he is reigning. In other words, he's reigning and ruling. He is king of kings and Lord of lords. Listen to Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so Jesus says right away, I am reigning, I am ruling. There is no king above me. There is no Lord that is stronger than I am. The the text says all authority has been given to Jesus, like the government has authority, but they don't have all the, the, it doesn't have all authority. Your boss has authority, but your boss doesn't have all authority. There's only one person that has complete, unlimited power and authority and strength, and that is Jesus. So he is reigning in power. Not only is he reigning in power, that power is not just kind of out there. It is a power, it is authority to actually send us into the most dangerous places to share this good news. It is an authority and a power and power that actually strengthens us to open our mouths when we're afraid to tell our friends and family members about Jesus. It is a strength and a power that actually helps us to maintain when we feel like giving up. Jesus says, I am. It is the kind of authority, it is the kind of power that says, I will be with you even until the end of the age. So Jesus is reigning right now. One of the ways that that the manifestation of his reign and rule is found in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him 
Here's the verse. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. So in essence, what, 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 this te- what this text is saying is that Jesus not only created the world, Jesus is actually sustaining the world right now. The world on which we live, he is sustaining that right now. Deist, uh, individuals who say that Jesus uh, kind of wound up the world and just let it go, and now it's winding down. They would tell you that God just kind of made the world and stepped back and now is aloof. They would say that there is no God who is sustaining the world. They would say that there is no Jesus sustaining the world. But Paul says in Colossians that Jesus right now not only created it, but he is also sustaining the world. Scientists right now, they are baffled by the continuing existence of the universe. They're surprised that the universe is not winding down and that it still exists even today. They would say that, the, that, that it still exists because of dark matter. We know the dark matter is not really dark matter, but we know that the world right now is being held together by the word of Jesus' power. This, word is, this wor- world is being held together by his hands. The reason why the galaxies don't, are not obliterated right now is because Jesus is holding the world together. The reason why the stars don't fall from the sky is because Jesus is holding the world together. The reason why that we don't burn to death or freeze to death is because Jesus is actually holding the world together. Everything is being sustained and held together by him. What is he doing today? He is reigning. And one of the ways we see him reigning is holding the world together. So let me see if I can try to illustrate this. Let's say, for instance, this is this celestial ball that we live on, the earth, the world, the universe. The text says that Jesus is holding this world together. He's holding it together where we, everything, the seasons come when they should. Flowers grow when they should. The plants grow. The trees grow. He is holding it together. So what's the implication? Implication is this. If he is holding this big world together, don't you think he's strong enough to hold our personal worlds together? Let's argue from the greater to the lesser. Jesus is holding the world together on which we live Don't you think he can hold this together? Don't you think that he can hold your family together? If he is holding this together, that we're not flying off into space, don't you think that he can hold your marriage together? Don't you think that he can hold your and my little world together? Let's see, let's do it again. If you think that he is holding this together, Don't you think that he can hold your fears and anxieties together? Let's let's try it again. 
if he is holding this together, you see, this is what happens when we try to hold our own world together. You got to be able to spin it real fast, right? If, you, if he's holding this together, don't you think he can hold this together? Why, why, why do we fret over this and this and this when we have a Savior who is active right now holding the world in which we live together, and he says, if you trust me, I'll hold your family together. If you trust me, I'll hold your finances together. If you trust me, I'll hold your career together. You see, in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, if he is holding this big, this big round ball in space, he most certainly can hold our little worlds together. What is Jesus doing right now? Man, he is reigning and ruling, and he is holding stuff together. And even if our worlds fall apart, he can hold us together while our worlds fall apart. That is one of the things that Jesus is doing right now. A second thing that Jesus is doing right now, Jesus is speaking. He is speaking. This is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and at many, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son or through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom, all, uh, through whom also he created the world. God revealed himself. Not only through creation, he revealed himself through his son. In times past, he talked to people about how to come back to him through the prophets. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, this was God's last way of showing the world how much he loved it and how to have a relationship with him. So, so Jesus is God's voice in the world right now. Another place in Scripture, it's not going to be on the screen, but Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. This is the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus took a couple of his disciples on a mountain and Jesus was transformed. He lit up before them. And a voice came from heaven, and not only, did Jesus, not only did Jesus shine, but also Moses and Elijah showed up. But then the voice of heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he says, listen to him. In other words, Jesus speaks authoritatively in our lives and about our lives. So Jesus is speaking right now. He is speaking. At least he desires to speak right now. Whether we listen to him or not, he desires to speak. He says, I want to show you 
I want to show you where to go. I want to show you your career path. I want, to, I want to actually show you who to marry if you're single. I want to actually show you where to live. You and I can inquire of Jesus where to go, what to do, what is your will, where do you want me to be? And he says, I will show you. But see, the thing is, we, we, like, we, we don't want to listen to him. We would rather open the newspaper and visit our horoscope to see what the universe has to say to Sagittarius. I think we like to see the universe tell us, what, are, what, what does the universe have to say to Virgos? And so we bank our lives on, we bank our lives on spirit mediums, and we bank our lives on people who don't know the future, or demons are showing them the future about our lives. God says, listen, I love you. I have a plan for your life. I desire to lead and guide you on your daily walk. I desire for you to wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, where do you want me to go? How do you want me to respond? How do you want me to respond to my boss? How do you want me to respond to my spouse? How do you want me to respond to my kids? And I believe Jesus will speak to us. And he does. Jesus, what do you want me to do? I'm worried. Well, Jesus says, if you pay attention to my words, I've already told you that the father takes care of the lilies of the field. I already told you that the father takes care of the birds of the air. I've already told you that he takes care of the grass, and he will take care of you. Jesus is still speaking today. It has major implications for our life right now. So so when I'm stuck... And when I need wisdom, and when I, when I need to know where to go and how to respond and, and who to connect with, it is a great moment. It is a perfect moment for you and I to stop at that moment and to pray, Jesus, how do you want me to respond? We have a Savior who loves us enough. He will speak truth to us. He speaks life and freedom to us. He speaks comfort to us. He he relieves guilt and shame from us. So not only is Jesus reigning and holding the world together, Jesus right now is speaking. He is speaking through Not only the word, but guess what? Every time you talk to your family members or friends or other people about Jesus, he is actually now speaking through you. Every time you share your story about how you came to know Jesus, it's Jesus speaking through you. Every time you say, this is what God has done in my life, this is how Jesus has saved me, he's speaking through you. You and I are ambassadors, so so we're waiting for Jesus to actually speak in some um, where where a cloud opens and he speaks in this really, you know, weird voice. And guess what? I think he wants to speak through voices that sound like yours and mine. I would hope that when I'm standing up here teaching is somehow in some way Jesus is speaking through me. For those of you who are teaching or leading small groups, I hope that when you facilitate your group, it's somehow Jesus is speaking through you. Those are not just your words. 
The Spirit interacts with those words, and he speaks. So Jesus is reigning, and not only is Jesus reigning and he is speaking, but he is also praying. Jesus is actually praying. Listen to the text. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. So Jesus is praying. So this text says that that Jesus is actually, he, he actually um, forgave our sins completely. So what we talked about last week, when Jesus died on the cross, he, gave, he literally died for every one of our sins, past, present, and future. There's no sin that was left out. He died for all, complete. He doesn't have to die again. He died one time for all of our sins. So that's what it says. That's what it means when it says he, um, he forgave or delivered to the uttermost. So not only did he secure our salvation, not only did he secure our relationship with him through his death on the cross, but right now Jesus is actually caring for us by praying for us. That's what the word intercession means. The word in the text means uh, intercession. It actually means to stand in the place of. It actually means to bear up. It actually means this idea that I am standing in the place of another talking to God for that person. So when you hear a person say, uh, I am praying for you. It's another way of saying I am interceding for you. I am standing in your place and I am taking your needs to God the Father and I am asking God on your behalf to show up in your situation, to intervene in your life, to work a miracle in that medical situation. So when you and I pray for other people, that's what we're doing. We're asking God on their behalf to show up. It's the reason it's important to show our love for other people by actually praying for them. I know we, people say, would you pray for me? And we say, yeah, and then we, we forget, and then we see them coming, and then we say a quick prayer right away, and, and because you know they're going to ask. One of, the things that, one of the things that we can start practicing when someone says, would you pray for me? Would you intercede for me? Would you stand in my place? Because I feel weak. I feel like my prayers are not making it. Stop right then, take 30 seconds, and pray for them on the spot. Intercede for them right then. Jesus is actually doing that for us. He's taking our measly prayers, sometimes our prayers with wrong motives, and sometimes our prayers with uh, weeds attached to the bouquets that we present. And Jesus takes our prayers and he spruces them up to give them to the Father. This is what they're saying. I think Jesus actually says, I think Jesus is actually praying for us and saying, they, they are about to fail, would you give them strength right now? They're, they're about to fail in their faith, would you give them strength? 
They're about to go down a wrong path. Would you do something to, to change their thinking and their path? Jesus is praying for you right now. He's praying for me. He is saying, that's way too heavy for them. Would you give them strength? While they, they're about to cuss out their boss, would you please hold their tongue? Like this, this has major implications for us. That even when we forget to pray, Jesus is praying. Even when we don't feel like praying, we have a Savior who is praying for us. Anybody in the room forget to pray? Anybody in the room who feel, don't feel like praying sometimes? Anybody in the room who feels like, you know something, life is too hard. I don't believe that God is there anyway, so I'm not going to pray. We have a Savior who says they don't feel like it, they're tired, life is beating them down. We have a Savior who says, Father, would you please not let their faith fail? We have a Savior who says, Father, would you please give them joy? We have a Savior who says, Father, would you please provide unity in their marriage and unity in their churches? We have a Savior who is actually praying, would you help them understand that the job that they have, it's actually an offering back to you? Would you please help them to understand how much you love them? We have a Savior who's praying for us. What are the implications of that? The implications is, man, that, that Jesus is ever-present to strengthen us, and he is ever-present to guide us as we walk. There's some people who are looking, looking at me right now. You are, you are stuck, and you need wisdom, and you need direction, and you need guidance. We have a Savior who goes to the Father on your behalf and tells you. Father, they don't know what they're doing right now. They, they, they're about to make a foolish choice. And that's where the people of God say, you know, this is, where, this, this is what I believe happens often. When you and I are about to make a foolish choice, I believe the Spirit of God places your name, my name on someone's heart and that person stands in our stead and prays for us. And mysteriously, mysteriously God shows up and changes our thinking on the decision that we were about to make. I can, t- I can, I can tell you, I, I can give you a number of decisions that I was about to make. And I was very, very close to making that decision. Somehow God changed my mind because I believe my mother, my grandmother, somebody was praying for me, changing my mind. So Jesus is praying for us. Then lastly, Jesus is not only praying for us, he is actually, uh, not only is Jesus praying, he's preparing. He's preparing. This is, um, you know this passage, or at least you've probably read it a couple of times. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, let not your hearts be troubled You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, the immediate, the immediate context of this passage is Jesus is uh, about to leave and he's about to die. The disciples are uh, troubled, they're sad, and Jesus says, I'm about to leave, but I'm going to come back, and that's the resurrection. I'm going to come back and you're going to be happy, you're going to be excited. So, so when he says, I'm, I'm going to prepare a place, and that word mansions is probably a bad translation. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a mansion in the, the White Hills and that sort of thing. It's not that at all. It's not a mansion filled with all kinds of rooms. It, that, that, wouldn't, that doesn't fit the context of the passage. It really is that I am going to I'm, I'm going to actually prepare a way that you can abide with the Father forever. That is on earth, but also when you die. So that word, that word um, mansions is actually rooms or abode where we get the word in John, abide. So Jesus' death on the cross gave us access to the Father so we can pray at any time. We don't have to wait until we get to church. We can pray while we're driving. We can pray while we're washing dishes. We can pray while we're coaching. We can pray while we're doing surgery. We can pray while we're in the courtroom. Why? Because Jesus has opened a way to the Father for us to abide with him, to have fellowship with him, to worship him, to pray at any time. And we don't have to be at a certain place to do it. So that's the immediate context. The larger context, the larger context is Jesus is preparing a place that's far better than what we see now. We look around us now, we see brokenness. We look around us now, we see sickness and pain. We look around us now and we see uh, anger and frustration. We look around us now, we see, um, we, see, uh, the, uh, we see cancer and we see all kinds of things that make us sad. See all kinds of things that said we long for something better, we ache for something better. And what Jesus is saying again in John 14 is, I am preparing something far better. I know you're struggling with cancer now, but one day you're going to experience something far better than that. You're going to experience your, you're going to experience the being in the presence of God forever. He's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to take away every pain. Jesus right now is preparing something way far better. We're dealing with all kinds of things now. And we have a Savior who is saying, I'm going to prepare something for you where there will be no more weeping, no more tears, no more pain, no more ugliness. I'm preparing something far better. The, the hope of the future sustains us in the hurt of the present. So there are some things, if I know I'm anticipating something, I can bear a lot of things. And because of the hope of heaven, and one day, Jesus will return, 
and he will take us to be with him place far better. You and I can actually tolerate some things now because the hope of the future actually gives us strength and sustaining power in the present. So what is Jesus doing now? Jesus is reigning. He is holding this world together, and he is holding our world, personal worlds together. Not only that, he is able to actually hold us together when our world falls apart. What is Jesus doing now? Jesus is speaking. He is speaking, giving us direction, giving us comfort, giving us um, wisdom. What is Jesus doing now? Jesus is praying. He's actually taking all of the prayers that you and I pray, even the prayers we don't pray, and he is actually presenting them to the Father right now on our behalf. What is Jesus doing now? Jesus is actually preparing a place for you. He's actually he's already done that in terms of we get to abide with the Father even now, but we also get to abide with him when we leave this world. Major, major implications. His present ministry is important for you and I as we live our lives today. He's a Savior who is with us, who guides us, who is interceding for us, and who's holding us together when life breaks us. If you have a need or concern, um, I'm going to ask the, we can stand. I'm going to ask the prayer team members, the elders, to come forward and to, uh, they are here to pray for you, to stand in your stead. When you, like, man, I don't, man, I don't know what to pray, don't know how to pray. This thing is really bugging me right now, bothering me, bothering me right now. These individuals, you can come forward now, these individuals will stand in your place before the Father asking on your behalf. Let me pray for us. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for all that you do, but mainly sending your son, Jesus. And, Jesus, thank you for holding this world together in which we live. And arguing from the greater to the lesser because you're holding this big world together, you are strong enough to hold our little worlds together. Our marriages, our families, our finances, our careers, our future. So thank you. Thank you for, thank you for speaking. And we don't have a God who's aloof. We don't have a God who is not involved in the world. You are actually speaking to us and desire to. So we pray that you would open our ears, even this week, that we might hear you and hear you clearly. We pray that you would help us to clean out the spiritual wax so that we might hear your direction for our lives. I pray for couples that as they pray this week that you would give them direction for their marriage. I pray for CEOs and I pray for those individuals who are employees. I pray you would give them direction this week. Thank you for, man, thank you for praying for us, Jesus. We, 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 we are sometimes a, a really poor lot. Man, God, we, Jesus, we, we go through our day and we don't speak to you at all. And knowing that you pray for us. 
get back on the right track, is actually awesome, overwhelming. Thank you for preparing something better by far. And we pray that you would help us to help prepare by being your ambassadors in the world. So we love you, and uh, thank you for not only salvation, but also your consistent, constant care daily. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and have a great week.